we interrupt our regularly scheduled programming to bring you this live presentation from the Lambertville Historical Society. Good afternoon. We are live broadcasting the next portion of the January 21st, 2018 Lambertville Historical Society annual meeting. This is a reenactment of a 1950 radio play called Story of Lambertville. This program was originally broadcast the week of May 21st, 1950, and was one in the series, This is New Jersey, prepared by the New Jersey Department of Conservation and Economic Development. It was presented as a public service feature by 28 radio stations in the state's listening area. The script was recently uncovered in the Lambertville Historical Society archives, along with a letter dated April 26, 1950, to Dr. Alfred G. Petrie of Lambertville from the Public Relations Office of the State of New Jersey Department of Conservation and Economic Development. Dr. Petrie had recently written a history of Lambertville titled From the Beginning as Coriel's Ferry and presumably helped with the research to create the script. Also included with the letter was the May 18, 1950 press release. And according to the press release, and I quote, the weekly 15-minute dramatizations are widely used in school classrooms as a supplement to New Jersey history courses. Story of Lambertville contains vignettes from 18th, 19th, and 20th century Lambertville. Over 200 years of Lambertville history in just 15 minutes. Since we have the script in our collection, which also included the recommended sound effects and music, we thought, wouldn't it be fun to perform a reenactment of the 1950 radio broadcast during today's annual meeting? And thanks to Lambertville's hometown station, we are live broadcasting on PANJ Radio. It will also be available in their archives. By the way, something you would not have heard in 1950. If you haven't done so already, please turn off your cell phones. <laughs> the script is definitely a throwback to 1950. I'd call it campy. In 1950, they used professional actors. Our reenactment will be by members of the current-day Lambertville Historical Society, and they include Gary Cohen, who also directed, Wayne Brangle, Mike Mensch, Barney Stone, Liz Regal, Amy Raditz, Rich Friedman, who's also doing sound effects, and me, Mary Friedman. I'm your producer. And there will be a special guest appearance by Mayor David Del Vecchio in the role of 1950 Lambertville Mayor William Bill Naylor. Now to our program. After a word from our sponsors. Quiet in the studio. We're live in five, four, three. Two, one. Michael Burns Architects has been providing award-winning architectural and planning services for Lambertville and the surrounding communities since 1983. 
Their passion is for quality design, from historical renovation to modernist custom home design to additions and so much more. Michael Burns Architects has extensive experience with commercial, mixed-use, and residential projects. Licensed in eight states, Michael Burns Architects loves a challenge. They are ready to handle your next project, so please give them a call at 609-397-5508 or visit their website at michaelburnsarchitects.com. If your local insurance agency isn't so local anymore because it was bought out by an agency that was bought out by another agency and you're not even sure who your agent is anymore, maybe it's time to talk to someone from around here. Someone like Wayne Bringle. Wayne is a Lambertville resident resident who works with Sasco Insurance Services, a trusted choice agent, meaning they can pick and choose from a number of insurance companies to recommend the right policy at the right price for you. Call the local guy, Wayne Bringle at 908-852-5555 or go to saskoinsurance.com. This is New Jersey. Before you've lived in New Jersey long, you are bound to hear this of the town Lambertville on the Delaware. This picturesque community, nestled between the river and steeply rising hills, has been making a name for itself since long before the Revolutionary War. We are going to tell you of some of the incidents in the town's history on our present program. This is another in the transcribed series, This is New Jersey, presented each week at this time by the New Jersey Department of Conservation and Economic Development. Now, for the story of Lambertville. It's the people in a town that determine what sort of community it will be. And those early Quaker settlers who located on the banks of the Delaware River, some 30 miles above Trenton, probably had a lot to do with the kind of town Lambertville is today. In those days, it was called Coriel's Ferry. Mr. Coriel, who operated the ferry between Pennsylvania and the Jersey Shores, wasn't long in finding out about his new neighbors, John and Elizabeth Holcomb. Coriel didn't hear the beginning of the incident, but he later learned that on a cold December day in the early 1700s, John had said to his wife, Elizabeth, I beg you, give up your plans for attending the meeting on the Pennsylvania side. No, John, I'm going on the Lord's work. The Society of Friends across the river look to me as their leader. Would you have me fail them? But the river is wild, and your horse, well, stall is sturdy and fast, but he's skittish in bad weather. Can't you? No, John, I must go. Holcomb, already familiar with his wife's strong will, lifted her onto the horse and watched the two out of sight on the road towards the boat landing. When she reached the Coriel house on the riverbank, Mrs. Holcomb halted the horse and called to rouse the boatman. Yoo-hoo! Mr. Coriel, yoo-hoo! Coming! I'm coming! As soon as I pull on my... Why, it's Mrs. Holcomb! Coming out of the cold! Wife will be glad to see you! But I didn't come to call, Mr. Coriel. Not today. I want you to ferry me over the river. There's a Society of Friends meeting today, and they're depending on me to be there. Taint sensible, ma'am. River's high, and it's blowing up a storm. The Lord will protect me, Mr. Coriel. Come, let's be on our way. I can't hold the horse long. He hates river crossings. 
Reluctantly, Mr. Coriel took the determined woman and her horse across the Delaware and deposited them on the Pennsylvania side. As they hurried off, he fastened the ferry to the riverbank and made his way to the boathouse to wait for their return. A few miles away, Mrs. Holcomb addressed the meeting, and when it was over, prepared to leave. One of the men present brought her horse from the stable and helped her mount. Always the your horse, Sister Holcomb. He's powerful, comes from good hunting stock, but he's of nervous disposition. <laughs> you see, he wants to be off. Can't even wait while I'm strapped into the saddle. There it's done. <laughs> he's running away. Whoa, stop. Stop him. Sister Holcomb's on the way. Several of the men mounted their own horses in pursuit, but Mrs. Holcomb's horse was running at top speed. As the men neared the river, Coriel heard the galloping horses and ran out. Stop him! Stop, horse. stop him! But Coriel could do nothing to stop that wildly racing animal. He ran past the boatmen and plunged into the deep, swift waters of the Delaware. As the men watched from the riverbank, Mrs. Holcomb, still securely fastened in the saddle, seemed to guide the stallion so that he headed slightly upstream to break the strong current. Finally, horse and rider reached the other bank. The men watching on the Pennsylvania side cheered. She said, look at that. The Lord was with Sister Holcomb this day. The wild horse didn't stop, but he was slowed a little once he jumped a four-rail fence. Farmer Holcomb heard the clatter, ran to the barn door. The great stallion was just coming to a stop. He waited while his master unfastened the straps and lifted Mrs. Holcomb down. Her teeth were chattering and she was cold and wet, but she quieted her husband's protest. I told thee, husband, the Lord would protect me. Courage and faith such as hers gave the people of Coriel's Ferry strength to aid General Washington and his troops in their victory against the Hessians in the Battle of Trenton. Boats for that perilous crossing of the Delaware were gathered and hidden on the island where the Union Mills of Lamberville now stand. The friendliness of the residents towards the Patriot cause is indicated by the many letters written by Washington and members of his staff beginning... We marched to Coriel's Ferry and quartered at a hearty old Quaker's. In the years that followed the Revolution, many travelers became familiar with Coriel's Ferry and the community growing up around it. Then, in 1814, the town received a new name. The Honorable John Lambert, serving in the House of Representatives, obtained a post office for the town and named it Lambertville. While the Lamberts were longtime settlers, they were not the only ones. Neighbors began to say, My folks were here 30 years and more before the Lamberts settled near the ferry. I'd like to see the town called Georgetown, honor of Captain George Coriel. Lambertville, they call it. I'd say it's Lambert villainy. There's George Tanner and George Hopak, as well as George Coriel. Calling this place Georgetown had killed three birds with one stone, as the saying goes. They can call the south side what they please. This part north of the Church Street line is going to be called Georgetown. Well, there was excitement and disagreement for a while, but the name Lambertville was finally accepted by all. Then came busy years with new industries moving in, residents building homes. The town became a shipping center, too, with barges on the canal added to Delaware River traffic and a new railroad line between Trenton and Lambertville. <coughs> on March 1st, 1849, Lambertville received its charter as a town, and just in time to hear along the streets, 
Did you hear the news? Gold's been struck in California. Gold strike! Oh my god, gold! Young men poured from the town, headed west in hopes of quick wealth. The older folks remaining at home ruminated. Who'd have thought a Lambertville boy would be the one to strike gold? James Marshall never showed such particular talents when he was a lad. Comes of good, honest folks, same as us. Good, honest folks, same as us. That's what saw Lambertville through every crisis. Gold rushes, wars, river floods, the town weathered them all. And then, in the dizzy years of World War II, Lambertville, like most other towns, faced a new kind of problem. A problem of young people. The headlines told it. Lambertville youth in tragic accident. Driver of car says he and schoolmates were seeking something to do. It was a national complaint, this search for something to do. Luckily, Jazz King Paul Whiteman, living near Lambertville, had an answer to that. With the cooperation of other residents, he encouraged the young people to establish their own recreation center, a teenage club where they could dance and congregate for good times. On the night of the formal opening, as the orchestra played Whiteman's famous theme, a local newspaper editor spoke for the whole community. The residents of Lambertville, young and old, are deeply indebted to our famous neighbor Paul Whiteman for helping to establish weekly teenage dances here and for putting his support, financial and otherwise, behind the project of a youth center. Mr. Whiteman has proved himself a real friend and neighbor. And Lambertville wasn't done with innovations then. It was early in 1949 that a young man walked into the office of Mayor Bill Naylor and said, I'm Sinjin Terrell, Mr. Mayor. I've got a plan for a music circus. Wanted to open here at Lambertville this summer, but I'm having problems. Can I tell you all about it? Go right ahead, Terrell. One thing a mayor learns fast is how to listen to problems and you never know what kind. Even music circuses. Now, now, you couldn't have heard of that before, Mr. Mayor, because there aren't any others. Mine is a new idea entirely. I want music shows presented out of doors, under a big tent, of course, and on a circular stage so that the audience can be sitting all around it. I've been planning the thing for 15 years, Mayor, and I'm sure it will work. How does it sound to you? Swell. What can I do to help? You really mean it? Gee! With your help, Mayor, we can put on a show here that will draw folks from miles away. I hope you can, Terrell. You know, this year, Lambertville celebrates its 100th anniversary as an incorporated town. We're planning a big affair for that, and your music circus will be another feature event. Now, what's your first problem? A place to hold the show. We had a site picked out that one of our principal backers pulled out. Now we can't find anyone with enough confidence in our idea to sell us land where we can put up the tent. Well, now, I think I can help you with that. And help he did. Mayor Naylor even located the site and helped the music circus obtain the land. Members of the police force helped, too. And neighbors pitched in to help with setting up the tent and installing the electric system. The opening night of the music circus was more than a sellout. The curious had come from as far away as Philadelphia and New York, and their enthusiasm was so great that after the first performance, they were buying season tickets to assure themselves of seats for each new show all summer. 
The spirit of the friendly, cheerful outdoor theater spilled over in the town. You'd catch it on the street. Hey there. World must be all right with you. They always say when a man's whistling. Funny thing, I haven't whistled in years. My wife got me started going to that music circus up on the hill, and now I'm always remembering those tunes. That music circus is a wonderful thing. And in a supermarket where two shoppers were chatting, one said... Guess who was in line ahead of me at the cash register last week? Susanna Foster. The girl who plays the lead in the operettas at the music show? The very same. But she's just like a next-door neighbor. She was telling me an army trick for keeping celery crisp and fresh. Oh, you wouldn't expect an actress in a supermarket. Impractical like that? Her singing's out of this world. Did you hear Indian love call when they did Rosemary at the circus? I never miss a week. I feel like part of the show myself, the way the stage is arranged. Yes, folks were enthusiastic about the music circus, and they began to get acquainted with its home, with its town, too, its historic homes, its modern industrial plants, and its people. There were visitors by the thousand for Lambertville's 100-year anniversary week in August of 1949. One of the guests told Mayor Naylor... Mayor, you and the town of Lambertville have really done yourselves proud. Don't you know how you can hope to top this? But Mayor Naylor answered, Top this? Man, we're just beginning. The first hundred years are the hardest, they say, and Lambertville, New Jersey, has been an incorporated town for just a hundred years. From now on, just watch us grow. In the story you've just heard, professional actors represented Mayor Bill Naylor, Sinjin Terrell, and all others in the cast. When you're riding along the Delaware, plan to stop and see for yourself the many interesting features in Lambertville, New Jersey. This has been another in the transcribed series, This is New Jersey, presented each week at this time by the New Jersey Department of Conservation and Economic Development, Arlene R. Serre, editor. Next week, we're going to take you to the Jersey Shore for a story called... Entertaining a nation at Long Branch. Be listening. And we're out. Thanks for listening to Lambertville Historical Society's reenactment of the 1950 radio play, The Story of Lambertville. For those in the studio... On the side table over there, there are a few items of interest referenced in the radio play that you might want to peruse. They include, for example, an official souvenir program from the Lambertville Centennial Celebration of 1949. Of course, these are all from the Lambertville Historical Society archives. There are a couple of newspaper photos about Paul Whiteman's movie. One is titled, First Action Shots in the Paul Whiteman Teenager Movie, The Lambertville Story. There are also two books referenced as source material for the radio script, Dr. Petrie's book, from the beginning as Coriel's Ferry. And uh, as an aside, last night I was flipping through it, and on page 13 I found the whole story about Elizabeth Holcomb and the ride across the river. <laughs> That's where it came from. An Early History of Lambertville, New Jersey by Sarah Gallagher. Um, this book was originally published in 1903, and then it was reprinted by the Historical Society in 1995. We have a couple copies for sale out in the lobby, and you may want to grab them because there are only, I think, 20 left. Um, so please feel free to check all of those things out before you leave. And please support the Lamberville Historical Society. You can find us 
at www.lambervillehistoricalsociety.org or by calling 609-397-0770. Thanks for listening. They pointed out that those were the